This is episode number 458 of the Health Fitness Podcast, brought to you by Inner Fight in association with Smith Street Paleo. Remember, hop over to smithstreetpaleo.com, check out exactly what they're doing. And if you rate and review our podcast over in iTunes, you will get a bag full of treats from them. Remember, just to let us know, winning innerfight.com, that you've done that, and we will send out the treats. This week's podcast is with a super cool guy that actually used to live in Dubai and has competed at the very top of his sports. I'm super excited that we managed to get Hayden on the line. We did this one via Skype, so hopefully the quality is what you guys expect and you can hear exactly all the goodness that Hayden is sharing with us. On another note, Inner Talks is coming up. It was postponed from today. It'll now take place on October the 11th here at Inner Fight. That's definitely something if you do live in Dubai, you want to come and see and listen to Omar Noor. He's got an incredible story. And for those of you that don't live in Dubai, we'll be sticking that on the podcast the following week that it happens, October the 11th here in Dubai. Enough talk now. Let's jump into today's show with Hayden Smith. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast, folks. And something that I continue to say is absolutely incredible with the way the world's going is how we can connect with people. Today's guest actually lived in Dubai, moved to Dubai in 2009 to work over here and spent four years here whilst I was actually still here and we never even connected and we're even closer probably now than we've ever been. We've never met in person, but I'm joined on the line from all the way from Australia, Hayden Smith. Hayden, thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us, mate. Thank you, mate. It's a, I'm honoured to be uh, on your show. Thanks for having me along. Looking forward to it. Not at all, mate. Mate, listen, I want to go back to the start because it's important that we understand sort of where you've come from. So give us a bit of a background, where you come from, what sports you did growing up, and then let's kick on from there. No worries, mate. So I just started in surf life saving uh, when I was young, about eight years old. My dad's a... Um, a uh, life member of Surf Life Saving Australia, and he's in the Surf Life Saving um, Australia Hall of Fame. So I was wow. destined to be swimming at the pool at 5 o'clock in the morning from an <laughs> early age. So I basically swept, spent 20 years in Surf Life Saving from age 8 to through to about 28. Right. Um, I basically swam five, at 5 a.m., five mornings a week for 20 years. Wow. Um, funny enough, I still do it now most mornings. I'm up doing something, so... Wow. Yeah, race spent 20 years in life-saving. Um, I have won a world title. I've won four uh, national championships. I've competed a few times in the Kellogg's uh, Professional Ironman Series in Australia. Unbelievable. Um, was never, certainly never easy for me. Uh, never. I don't consider myself um, a gifted athlete. I just... And what makes it sweeter for me is like the goals that I set for myself that I achieved. I just got there through hard work and, yeah. and persistence and grit and nothing else really. Mate, just before before we crack on, you explain to the guys because the the surf life saving concept in Australia and when you say like the Ironman series, can you explain what it is so that the listeners actually understand what what because you've just brushed over it, yeah. you're a legend, and you've just brushed over the whole thing. <laughs> Mate, so, so surf life saving in Australia is a, a national pastime. It, the typical surf Ironman race is 15 minutes long, consists of swimming, board paddling, and surf ski like kayak paddling with a a short run leg in between, in and out of the surf. And we we race, um, you know, the the 
national or world championships are held over 15 minutes. Right. Um, uh, through to the Coolangatta Gold, which is our longest race in surf life saving, which is about four and a half hours. So I, I grew up doing that, and I was uh, I've been in the surf club my whole life. Yeah. Um, and it was a a huge, if not the biggest part of my um, childhood and early adult life, without doubt. Is that? I mean, you said obviously your dad's in in, in the Hall of Fame. He, he, you know, is that was it just something that you did, mate? Like that was the environment that was created for you. That's it, man. I. I remember my childhood. I left school every day and went to the beach and trained. I got up every morning and went to the pool and swam. Uh, when Saturday rolled around, I went to the beach Saturday morning and came home Sunday night. And that was that was me my whole life growing up. And it was just what we did wow. in Australia where I grew up. And, and uh, it was a very healthy lifestyle. And yeah. it's ingrained some habits in me that I – reflect back on in my even in my business life now um that have made me a better person i think for sure what what are those mate just give us a few examples of the things that you learn i like to use the word grit yep my i think the success that i've achieved in sport has never come through being the most naturally talented person there's lots more of them than me um the goals that i set for myself and reached i got there through setting goals training my backside off every day, getting to game time and falling short, getting back up the next season and trying again, falling short again, and then you start to have some success. And the success really only started coming to me when I was 18. And it took me me until the next 10 years, until I was 28, my last – National life-saving titles. I I knew they were going to be my last because I'd actually accepted a job in Dubai in January. Mm. I basically committed the last four months of the season. I trained right through. I never tapered for any event because I had actually had uh, one last goal that I, I hadn't achieved. I wanted to make the final of the Open Ironman at our national championships. Right. And I'd missed the final by one place the previous three consecutive seasons. Oh, no. And, uh, and I managed to get there in my last, my last ever national title. So, it was a, I mean, it was a actually really emotional um, way for me to sort of finish uh, my surf life-saving career at that yeah. point in time. And I, I ended up... Um, I'd won four national championships, uh, won a world title, and I'd, I'd raced the very best of the best guys in the Kellogg's Ironman series. So when I walked away from my last national titles in 2009, I knew, well, there's just no way I can get any more out of myself, and therefore I was just very, very content. It didn't mean that I was the best, no. but it just meant that I was the best that I could be, which was fitting enough for me. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's something that like let's jump into that, mate. Like you you you've done your best, and you were the best that you could be, and you've done incredibly well. Like, do you not think sometimes people don't identify what that is? And like, you know, I can see that you're 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 so strong at setting goals, but they'll always be like, oh, maybe I could have done better. But you sort of you're you're happy in your own skin that that was the best you were going to be, and you'd nailed it without a doubt. I actually. I still use that lesson now. So I know last October when I raced the Hawaiian Ironman in Kona, uh, people were asking me, oh, what place are you going to get? What time do you think you'll do? It's irrelevant. My whole process was 
I'm going to spend four months, I'm going to train 30 hours a week on top of running my business and having a family. I'm going to never miss a session. I'm going to never cut a corner. I'm going to never stop short of any session at all for four months. I'm going to get there on the day, um, execute my race uh, to perfection for my race plan Mm. and absolutely bury myself in in the meantime. Mm. Uh, and whatever I get, I deserve. And that's the whole way I approach everything now. It's that's not about incredible. the outcome take cares of itself if you look after the things that come before it. Yeah, that mate, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a huge learning. We're five minutes in and this, this show just has so <laughs> much value. I'm so excited, mate. Let's, um, I mean, mate, one, one thing about surf life saving, like, and so, like you did it for 20 years is that there's no money in it. it it's, it's really, it's amateur, right? We, I mean, how does it work? I, um, I remember my last season, I raced the Kellogg's Ironman series. Uh, I finished sixth in the first two rounds, two consecutive wow. days. Um, and, you know, that's a good result because there's some outstanding athletes. So one of the guys, Kai Hurst, been to the last two Olympic Games for uh, swimming. Yeah probably the best waterman I've ever met in my life. He sailed the last America's Cup, um, finished sixth behind guys like that. And I think combined over the two days, I earned $900. So it's hardly enough to <laughs> um, hardly enough to set yourself up and certainly not enough to do professionally. So for me, uh, I whilst I trained at 100% with um, throwing everything else in life in the mix, it was never going to be the be-all and end-all for me. So even at that age, at 28, yeah. um, I knew where I wanted to end up at professionally. And I had some steps I needed to go through to get there, but I always had my eye on the end goal, which was um, sports unlikely to provide a financial future for my family. So whilst I'm extremely passionate about it and it's been a, a huge part of my life and still is today, yeah. uh, it was never going to be something that I was going to bet my whole family's future on what was your what was your career objective mate when you were when you were 28 my career objective when i was 28 was to be a mcdonald's licensee really absolutely why a few reasons number one i believe in the brand so i have a friend who is uh, who's also into triathlon who had been a good friend of mine he's he was a licensee I believed in the brand in Australia. Um, I believed in what it does to support communities and young people. Personally, it it gives me the ability to work for myself and for me to have ultimate flexibility with my life. So I never have to miss taking my son Duke to soccer every Tuesday morning or to swimming every Wednesday morning. Um, I can come home at lunch if I need to. I can train if I want to. Uh, and for me, it gives me a lot of pride to employ 250 people, and it's a responsibility I take very seriously. Yeah. Um, they're some of the reasons I, I wanted to be a McDonald's licensee <laughs> from a relatively young age, and five years before I, or four years before I actually was. And for, for those people who, who, who are thinking that they're not hearing this properly, what have gone from <laughs> world titles and been an incredible surf lifesaver 
to literally coming out of that sport at 28, wanting to run. Folks, you're thinking about it, right? McDonald's as in the fast food chain licensee. Hayden, you are, you, this is why this show is going to be so awesome, mate. I'm so excited, as you can tell. We'll skip that a little bit. At 28, you took a job in Dubai, mate, with, with, with the ICC. Um, I did. Tell us a little bit about that. For those that are in Dubai, it's obviously a little bit close to home. Yeah, so I, I did a, a business degree and then I did a, a diploma in workplace education and training. My wife actually said to me one day, she said, knowing that we wanted to get into McDonald's and the equity required to get in, my wife actually said to me, do you want to think about uh, moving to Dubai? <laughs> and I said, yeah, why not? And so I, I started researching. There's a job um, running the training and education department for the ICC came up. I applied for it and got it. And I thought, okay, wow, there you go. Now we are going. <laughs> and it, it actually happened very quickly. And I got over there and I really enjoyed it. And I had probably come over there content just to work and maybe keep fit. The, the surf ski scene in Dubai when I got there was huge. One of the big World Cups was in Dubai, the Dubai Shamal race. Right. There's a lot of surf ski paddlers and Aussies that I knew from Australia. So I got a ski and, and just started paddling. And then before I knew it, I was coaching the squad, competing in World Cup events in South Africa and Hong Kong and Mauritius and Dubai and all around the world, <laughs> right into it. One of the guys that I actually trained was the um, GM for Wild Wadi for the Jumeirah Group. Okay. And he actually, after only 12 months, recruited me across to come and work with him at Wild Wadi. Right. Um, and I did that as the ops manager there for three years. And the, by that stage, the McDonald's momentum really started picking up for me. Yeah. That's funny. I actually got offered the role as the director for the um, uh, the water park in the Bahamas for the Atlantis Resort. Wow. And and it literally happened. So I went, interviewed, got the job. For, so we were going there still with our iron McDonald's, but thinking this was the next step. Yeah. Um, literally the same week my visas came through, um, we we got accepted with McDonald's Australia after an application process of, of sort of 12 steps, the application process with McDonald's and wow. a number of interviews, psych tests. Um, they I'd never worked at McDonald's before, but they put you in a restaurant for three days and see how you go, a huh. bunch of different things. And literally on the same week it came through, so... I apologised to the Bahamas and, and my wife, India, and I moved home to Australia and, and that's where we started. Wow, incredible, mate. I mean, when, when you, you've also, um, as, as I want to jump into a little bit, you've obviously found some serious talent in yourself in triathlon as well. When did you start yeah. triathlon? Was that when you moved to Dubai or had you already sort of... No, been... so, when, mate, when I moved home, right, uh, 2000 and... 13, uh-huh. I moved home, we got accepted with McDonald's. So basically I had 12 months full-time unpaid work with McDonald's I needed to do before I could buy my own store. Right. I started that in Brisbane and at the same time uh, a bunch of my mates were doing triathlon so I just bought a bike and, and started riding. <laughs> I entered an Olympic distance try and I did well and I thought I'll, I'll do a half Ironman um, 70.3 race. It was our, the National Age Group Championships in Port Macquarie in Australia. I ended up getting second. Wow. And I, I just look back and I go, man, I, I remember my wife and I, when I was early 20s, I wrote a bucket list at home. I remember I stuck it on the wall of all the sporting events I wanted to do. 
the number one sporting event on there was an Ironman triathlon. Oh, no way. Now, I finished my McDonald's training. I bought McDonald's Foster, which just north of Sydney and New South Wales. Now, Foster was actually the home of Ironman Australia. So I moved there, and there's this huge triathlon scene. I got there in late December, Mm. and April was Ironman Australia in Port Macquarie, just up the road from Foster. And I thought, bugger it, I'm going to enter. And so I entered (laughs) my first Ironman. And I thought, okay, I've got four months to train. I didn't get a coach. I didn't get a coach. I just coached myself because I knew knew how my body worked, and I knew – what I needed to do to get in the best shape. So I basically just did as much as I could mm. and and lined up for my first Ironman uh, in Port Macquarie in 2014. And prior prior to this, mate, you'd done a, an Olympic distance. <laughs> Had you done a half Ironman by now? I'd done one. Uh, right. So I did one was a national championship, so I got second. <laughs> and then literally my third or fourth ever triathlon, Wow. Was, was Ironman Australia. Um, <laughs> and I just I remember the day like it was yesterday. I I had a great – I swam 46 minutes. Wow. And I was first age gripper out of the water. I was actually – I swam up to the lead pro female, which, <laughs> which, is, which was Melissa Hauscheit, who's a 70.3 pro world champion previously. All right. I rode with her for um, – 120k. I actually got a drafting penalty. If I got caught drafting off a off a girl, would you believe it? <laughs> That's uh, um, that was definitely so, yeah, one for the CV, mate. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So I, I uh, and at the same time as I got a penalty, I got a flat tire. Oh no! And so being a rookie, I, I pull over into the penalty tent, going, "Okay, no, you're down four minutes. I'm still going pretty well." So proceeded to start changing my tire, and they said, "No, no, you can't change it until you served your penalty." <laughs> now. For those no bike riding, I had tubulars on with with no tubes in the tyres. Had I ever changed one of them before? No. <laughs> so next thing I know, twenty minutes later on the side of the road, I've got a new tyre on and I'm off and away. Oh. I had a really good run that day. I I blew up with about five kilometres to go, but I finished well and I end up getting a Kona slot on my first ever Ironman. It's so incredible. I've gone from thinking I'll only ever do one to going. We go to the roll down ceremony. I'll get a slot for, you know, the pinnacle one day sporting event in the world, in my opinion, or one of them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just not something you can say no to. <laughs> so that's it. You're you're all all eyes on Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, and then so yeah, so 2014 Kona. Um, we went over there. My wife was six months pregnant. It was such an epic experience, and I left there. I was still a total rookie. That was like my fourth or fifth ever triathlon, the Hawaiian Ironman. Oh, uh, and I, I had a good day. I ran well, suffered heaps, which was exactly what I wanted to get out of it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I've got to come back here again. Um, <laughs> Mate, yeah, you, so you, just you say you you say you ran well. You, you, <laughs> your first time in Hawaii, you finished the race in nine hours, 42 minutes. That's absolutely yeah. incredible time, mate. You're sort of skipping over a lot of the, I know, I know you, you know, but this is folks, this is just unbelievable what Hayden's talking about here. Go and check out if, if you, if you want to put some of his times in perspective, the first one that he mentioned there was 46 minutes for the swim. 
So just go and check the average time for people to do the swim. And, and to put another little bit of context here, we skipped over this, mate. Hayden starts in triathlon starts in waves. So the, the, the late, the pros go off, the lady, the female pros will go off and then they set them off in age groups. So Hayden could have been about five to 10 minutes back from the groups that he's catching up. So he's just swimming through and catching up to some of the lead professional females. So just to... and, and then I think that, yeah, and it goes from there. And then I get onto my bike, which I've ridden the bike at that point for, um, so at my first Kona, I've, ridden a bike for an entire 12 months total when you're competing against guys that have ridden for 20 years so it's a bit of a deficit I've had to work really hard to to overcome let's talk a little bit about that mate because obviously the you know triathlon three sports in one it's 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 an incredibly tough sport you're obviously pretty strong and pretty confident in swimming how did you you said you didn't get a coach how did you sort of build up and, and figure out like how to get fitter and stronger on a bike and then run off the bike. I just, and I've definitely learned a lot since, but since my first year, but my first year was really about, I'm an app thinking I'm an absolute rookie mm. in general terms. The more I can do, the better I will be. And I knew how to structure a training program around yeah. long run, long ride with a runoff like an interval run so I, I've done a lot of 1k repeats so for that first Kona I had a, a 500 meter track on the side of road up and down and I got up to doing 40 times 1ks right. before Kona and I and I always make sure I do that by myself no music and no food yeah so I go oh, I'll have drinks and gels obviously but I think if I can go 40 times 1k repeats wow. Up yeah. and down a 500 meter road by myself on a yeah. Thursday afternoon. Yeah. I'm in a good mental headspace for Kona. Yeah, is it, mate? Let's, so I knew let's how jump, to build a training program. Jump out. into that a little bit. Like that's one thing that, yeah, it's it's physi- physiological, but that's a lot of mental training as well, right? It's all about mental at the end of the day. I mean, I I look at Ironman and go, you, you never, your heart rate's never at 200, or it shouldn't be, right? So much, and if you've done the work, so much of it is mental, right? Yeah. So your body's saying, oh, yeah, sorry, your mind is saying, oh, I'm too tired. I can't go anymore. I want to give up. Let me just walk the next aid station. Yeah. If you, I just think if the stronger my, the stronger I can be to laugh at my mind when it's saying that and keep going, just the better I'm going to be. What else did you do to build that mental strength, mate? Oh, just, I remember... Um, I remember I had to run a uh, – I wanted to run a marathon in training before Kona, and the day I needed to do it, it was bucketing down. So I just got on a treadmill and ran a marathon. Um, <laughs> As you do. And another day I wanted to ride 200K. The next week after that it was bucketing down again. So then I went outside and rode 200K by myself in the pouring rain. I, was, I thought I you just, were going to say you did it on the turbo. <laughs> I've done a lot of good stuff on the turbo, but not yeah, not a two hundred k. But 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 I, I think my approach has just been every and it, and it works for life, right? Anytime you're unsure about something, or yeah. you're nervous about something, or you're scared of something, just all the more reason you should do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a no, that's a, that's a very valid point. Was there was there times in your in the early days of your training? Because I think this is. Hopefully, uh, you know, this will answer to a lot of people that you, you were just 
you knew how to structure a program, but you're almost just going with your gut, winging it a little bit, mate. And did you sort of ever start to think, shit, am I doing this correctly? You know, what was going through your mind? Funny. Yes, I did 2014. We had our son in 2015, so I didn't do any. I did some sprint, uh, Olympic distance and sprint races that year. Yeah. The next year, 2016, the Half Ironman World Championships were on the Queensland Sunshine Coast, which was which was my original hometown. Yeah. They're pretty hard to qualify for when they're in your home country, but I qualified, and again, coaching myself, um, probably didn't listen to my body enough, and I got a pretty serious stress fracture in my pubic bone right. from running and didn't get to compete. Uh, so that was the lesson for me. Basically, as soon as that happened, I I called a coach um, from Melbourne who I knew and who himself is a very good uh, competitor right. and basically asked him to coach me the next year because I said I want to go. Just I, I wasn't able to run at all for, I think, five or six months. Wow. And I lost all, like I totally lost confidence in my ability to run yeah. without getting injured. And I wanted someone to help me get back on top of it. So I basically I signed up with him in September 2016. Right. I ran for five weeks and I went and did a half Ironman in China, which huh. actually had Kona qualifying spots on it, which is weird for a half Ironman. Yeah. And after only after five weeks of running, I, I got second and qualified for Kona for 2017. Right. I then I then then I'm not happy I'm not comfortable qualifying for Kona off a half, so I then went home signed up for Ironman Australia again, and then did a really really good three month block and end up running a I I, I did nine twenty three on probably Australia's hardest Ironman course which is, you know if you go to a, a fast course would be you know like Bustleton would be yes maybe 30, 30 minutes faster so probably an eight fifty something wow. um, and I ran a, a three fifteen marathon really comfortably the whole way felt really strong the whole way wow. and and I again got a slot for Hawaii out of that as well um, so then sort of started another build for for Kona last year um, which was I'll still say was the best I've Best I've ever prepared for a sporting event in my whole life. What did you do differently, mate? Listen to my coach. <laughs> got, got my body to the place where it could handle serious volume. Yeah. So basically what I did, I, I organized my work, or McDonald's at that point, um, to have resources in place so I didn't feel I needed to be there 50 hours a week. I could yeah. step back from work a little bit for four months. Right. I basically trained probably 30, 35 hours a week I averaged for four months. Wow. And I could do that so my family life wouldn't suffer as well. Yeah. So I got to the point where I was riding 500K a week and running 100K a week. Uh, and I don't need to do much swimming, so I was swimming maybe 10 or 15K a week only. Right. But I was doing some serious volume, um, probably close to pro-level volume yeah, on the bike I mean, run, which that's I needed a lot to of be hours. competitive. Yeah. Yeah, and I just got to the point. I was really proud. I got to the point where I could handle that run volume. I was being really diligent. I was getting. I was actually doing a lot of strength work uh, every week, and I was getting physio every week. So just trying to be really diligent, and never got any niggles. Um, you know, for the whole build up for Kona, I think coming to I was 
was really firing come August, and I got uh, I got the flu, huh. and the only thing I did wrong was I, I stubbornly thought, nah, I'll keep training. I ended up getting full-blown pneumonia oh. and having seven nights in hospital with the first five nights on a drip. <laughs> so I actually got really sick. I Ideal, yeah. Um, I, the doc, my doctor does triathlon as well, and he had a friend racing Kona as well, so it's lucky. He said, I can give you antibiotics, and it'll take you a month, or you can go to hospital, and in five to seven nights, you'll be home and you'll be fine. So I did that. Um, I was pretty skinny anyway. I got out of hospital after a week of eating hospital food and going, I was was really skinny. I was six foot three and 76 kilos when I I got out of hospital, so a bit too on the skinny side. And that was about eight weeks before, eight or nine weeks before Kona. I got really, it only took me about a week to get back up to speed. So I recovered from it really well. And I was really, really happy with my last eight weeks of training. But you never know if that takes a couple of percent off you still on race day. But yeah. who knows? I was, but again, what I, the same thing I said earlier, the result didn't matter because the build up was everything I could do. So, and the, and the race day, I, I couldn't, I remember texting you after the race. We were texting each other. Yeah. I remember it, like, yeah. I couldn't have got any more out of myself that day. Like I literally, like I literally got carried from the finish line to recovery. Yeah. Um, and they sat me on a chair and they said, "We'll get your medal for you." I said, "No way! I'm walking over to get my medal and get that photo myself." <laughs> and yeah. mate, I mean, you did a, you did another incredible time, mate. Nine thirty-five last year in Kona is again. It's a you know that's an incredible time, really, isn't it? It was good. I mean, I was. Um, I was first overall age group, so there all the it's a mass start for yeah. all the age groupers, and I was the first age grouper overall out of the water. Um, and I won the the fastest swim award, which is which was really cool. Yeah, that's and cool. I remember going, getting on the the Queen K, the start of the bike, going, yeah, I'm going to have a crack at this. I'm actually I'm going to have a real red hot go. And I rode 285 watts for the first 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I thought, if I continue with this, I'm not going to finish. <laughs> so really? I pretty sensibly got my race plan back together, and, and I had a good day. And, I can, uh, and like I said, it's the hardest marathon I've ever run in that heat. Yeah. It's just so hot and so hard. But I, I look back at it now and go, I can't think of another time in my life where I could think to myself that, you know, this is really living. Yeah. This is what it's really about for me. What, in what stage, mate, and let's elaborate on that a little bit because the, you know, I've never raced in Kona and and a lot of people haven't, but what you've just said about the marathon part of Kona is, I've heard it a number of times before, what, like, it's hot, it's brutal, it's, it's, what is it that, that, that makes it? It's a, I think it's the, so there's a few things, the heat and the humidity, so nothing for, new for you in Dubai, obviously, but yeah. it's 38 degrees and very humid. Right. Um, it's a deceptively very, very hilly bike, uh, course. So it's 1,800 metres in elevation on the bike. I'm not sure what the run is, but it follows a lot of the bike course. So yeah. uh, with with 13, 13K to go, you've got a, a 3K uphill to get out of the energy lab and, and then you've got a 1K or an 800-metre climb up the Mark and Dave Hill about a mile from the end. Right. Um, it's and I think, but I think the biggest thing, mate, is it's the World Championships. So, yeah. 
everyone there is really willing to have a look over the edge of the cliff and 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 maybe maybe jump off here and there as well. Yeah. Where, you know, certainly at other Ironman. So at Ironman Australia, I was pretty comfortable in control. Yeah. Never really got to a deep and dark place. Uh-huh. Um, but you, you're most definitely. I remember going 12k to go in the run at Hawaii. I was absolutely gone, really? totally gone, and I just said, just keep, don't run anything over a five minute k, and don't don't dare walk. <laughs> and I just refused to let myself walk. And it, mate, it's the longest 50 minutes of my life. I Seriously. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. But that's what makes it so sweet, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I think, yeah, exactly, mate. I think it's, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's those times where, like you say, in Australia, if you're a bit comfortable, yeah, you, you look back at it now and it's like, oh, I got through that. But, you know, for that, for that 9.35 in Kona, you've had to fight literally for the last, you said it for the last hour, but I can imagine you started to fight a lot longer than an hour before the end. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And it's a tough, I mean, it's certainly, there's lots of epic sporting events out there. Yeah. But that's the toughest day in sport that I've done. Um, and to be honest, it's what I love about the day um itself and for me it's actually it's actually a really really emotional day for me because i've got uh, a three-year-old and a one-year-old um and mate your wife and your family give up that mine give up so much for me to be able to be there doing what i love on the day and um my i actually saw my son 100 meters from the end wow in my wife's arm with a sign that said go dad um i i i reckon i cried for five minutes when I saw them at the end of this. Yeah, it was really, really emotional. Yeah, I can imagine it is, man. I think that's one thing that you sort of, you don't see, like you hear it talked about, but the amount of support that your wife has given you, like that Holly gives me as well, that you can go out and you can train 30, 35 hours a week, you know, just so you can put yourself completely in the rinser is is something that <laughs> we'll probably never understand, you know. I, I mean, I sometimes I, I I remember sitting on the grass after it, and and one the left side of my mind was going, why the hell do we do this? <laughs> yeah. And the right side of my mind's going, because this is living life. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is this is when it's it's at that moment when you. Your stress with about work or debt or responsibility goes out the window, and you're only focused on one thing. Yeah. Um, it's a brilliant feeling to have here and there. Absolutely, mate. Mate, let's jump back a little bit to the work. A lot of people are just going to be listening and going, "This guy's a legend triathlete, and he's working for McDonald's, which unfortunately has quite a bad rap globally for making people fat." How do you mix these two, mate? It, I'm, I can't be the only bloke that's thinking, Aiden. How do you put these two together? <laughs> so tell us how well, you yes. put it together, mate. I'll, I'll touch on a couple of different aspects, Marcus. Yeah. For you. Would you believe you if I said I've eaten McDonald's six days a week for five years? Oh my god, I have. Really? Yep, without a word of a lie. That's six amazing. days a week for five years. What's your I favorite? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I do. So I eat Big Macs. <laughs> I, I don't eat heaps of fries, but occasionally I do. Yeah. I like wraps. I like the salads from McDonald's. I love the coffee from McDonald's now. Um, but my, you know, I'm a, I'm a Big Mac guy through and through. Really? And you eat so, it six and, days and for a week. Me, <laughs> 
<laughs> you didn't tell me that right. before this show, mate. This is brilliant. You wouldn't have me on. You wouldn't have me on. <laughs> this is amazing. Keep going. I, yeah, so it's not, mate, it's not a word of a lie. And it's, I just say it's debits and credits. Um, but for me, there's a, there's a number of things that I love about McDonald's. So as a brand or as, a, as, a, as an owner of, I have two stores now. Um, I employ 250 people. Unbelievable. Um, I have a team of 18 managers. And I have a young girl who is my general manager for my wife, India, and I. Now, when I first, when I bought my first store in Foster, she was the crew chief, which is the the crew people are the Big Mac makers. Right. And she was the, the head of the crew people. So she wasn't a manager. And she was about 20 years old then. Yeah. And I've mentored, trained, guided, molded her, and she's 25 now, and she's my general manager. Um, gets paid in the top one percent of earners where I live, without a doubt. Wow. Um, has a lot of responsibility, has a lot of great opportunities as well, yeah. uh, and we will. I think long-term uh, we'd like to sell her an equity share in our business. Wow. And, allow, and, allow, and I take pride in – she's just one example of many, but for her I can give her opportunities in life that she would never have working a normal job. For sure, yeah. Um, now, I actually I take that people responsibility very seriously. So McDonald's is the second biggest employer in our country in Australia. Right. It's the biggest employer of youth. And it keeps me young. Um, a lot of these, I mean, we have such a great mix of kids, kids from, that come from well-to-do families and then kids that need to work four closes a night after school to support their family. Incredible. Um, so it's much more than Big Macs and cheeseburgers to me. It's a, a family business. It's a brand. Mm. I sponsor every local sporting club and event in the community. Wow. Um, and, yeah, like literally every sporting club, every netball club, cricket club, football, soccer, surf life saving clubs we sponsor. Wow. Very passionate about it. Um, yeah. And on the other aspect from if you're a competitive person, the McDonald's business is tailor-made for someone like me because in Australia it is – we are the stores are measured, timed, and ranked in real time against every other store in the country. So we get a, <laughs> we literally get a daily dashboard yeah. of our results. No and way. Our drive-through we are measured on what percentage of cars get through our drive-through in under three minutes. And wow. my store is ranked number one in Australia. My big store at Wyong on the Central Coast is the fastest drive-through in the country. Wow. And, and to some degree, it's for me, it's about shift management and process and doing the same repetitive motions for people over and over and over again very fast. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the food is the outcome of those motions that we put in place. That's incredible. So, I mean, my, my, one of my stores, we actually, McDonald's Australia sells more coffee than it does fries. That's a good stat. <laughs> yeah, more coffee than it does fries. So we have gone to the days of the Starbucks press button crap coffee machines. Yeah. McDonald's in Australia is full group handle barista made ground bean coffee. 
Wow. So I have every single morning, I have seven people in one of my stores that sit there, that stand there. Sorry, they don't sit. They don't have time. Um, they do nothing but make coffee. They don't serve customers. They don't do anything. They are standing in front of three machines, grinding beans, making coffee nonstop. So we do 160 cars an hour through our drive through oh and we'll make – We'll make 250 coffees an hour. <laughs> I can see what you mean by process-driven. That's incredible. Abs- absolutely. And so, so that's what it's about for me. It's about getting up and, you know, a, a fellow licensee who has actually pretty poor results said to me, how often do you look at your EOPS? And that's the dashboard of results that I tell you about. Yeah. And he said, I, I, can't, I don't ever look at mine. I just think, you loser. Yeah. I said to him, honestly, I said, I can't remember the last time it wasn't physically the first thing I did every morning. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's just what it's about, process-driven people. Um, yeah, and, and as many cars through my drive through as I can, giving great service and representing the brand in my community, supporting the community. And it's a, it's a family business for me. So I have a sign yeah. at my store that says, uh, this McDonald's is proudly owned and operated by the Smith family, right. Hayden, India, Duke and Hennessy, which Duke and Hennessy are my, my son and daughter. Um, so it's a family business and people know who my kids are, they know who my wife is and I'm just really passionate about it. So as you can see, mate, it's much yeah. more yeah, absolutely. about, about the, the, the cheeseburgers. But <laughs> what, I would, and the, what I would say is McDonald's in Australia, very different to a lot of places, is yeah. 100% beef. Right. 100% chicken with nothing added. The eggs we get in cartons and we crack them and cook them on the grill like you do at home. Right. The tomatoes and cucumbers we get, we've got to slice them every morning. Right. Um, and uh, and we don't hold, we don't make a single burger until it's ordered. Everything is made fresh in Australia. Wow. And we slice tomatoes, and they don't lie, and they can't they can't be out for more than two hours before and until we need to waste and slice more. So. Wow. It's uh, not only is it very process driven, but it's a, it's a the McDonald's business in Australia is very different to to a lot of places in the world, and and the average volume of a McDonald's store in Australia is about I think three to four times what it is in the US. So wow, we're a big business here. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it 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 is interesting, mate, to 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 hear about the difference, like the difference, and obviously sort of your motivation as well. But I still somehow can't get past the fact that such a successful athlete makes a living through selling fast food it's yeah, it's yeah. you know and i i can see from what you've said i'm sure the listeners sort of now understand it and mate to be to be giving that 20 year old that opportunity and to take her to, to a general manager at 25 and to be doing so much that you're doing within sport in the local community is is just incredible mate like that's that's very yeah. that's very inspiring but I still, I'm still like, oh, that thick shake. And what was the, um, uh, what's the thing? Super size me when the guy ate McDonald's every day. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but that's he, mate. So he, he's like me, except he doesn't train. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So is that, I, um, is that your, um, that's your go-to nutrition then? Just you, you fuel your triathlon training on McDonald's. Is that what you're selling? Oh, me? so t- what a typical, I guess what a typical day for me looks like. So I definitely eat a, a what I would call a healthy breakfast. You, yep. I don't know if you're going to feel different, but I, I'm like, I'm a, 
a, a muesli and a fruit guy in the morning, yeah. um, espresso coffee. Uh, at night is is fresh fish, fresh fresh steak, salad, vegetables. Right. Um, coupled with a Big Mac meal at lunch. So right. whilst I'm working during the day, I'm, you know, every day of the week I'll, I'm just eating in the store when I'm yeah. there. And yeah. uh, I've never put on a kilo from it. Um, I'm probably fitter now than I ever have been in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it seems to be working whether you think it's right or wrong. I, yeah. I think yeah. I had my first store in Foster for, from a business perspective. I had my first store in, in Foster, New South Wales. Um, I bought it on the low, um, really built that up. I built it up to being the most profitable store in the state. Wow. And I sold it and I've moved with my family to the Central Coast, which is about an hour out of Sydney yeah. or 40 minutes out of Sydney. Um, and we've partnered with one of the country's biggest operators uh, to be their exit strategy. So we've bought two stores from them. We're buying our third next year, and it'll probably end up being a patch of eight to ten stores wow. over the next ten years that we'll take over. So so that's the plan from a business perspective. And I guess the last, the last bit for me about why McDonald's is I can – I can earn returns that can, if I work hard, yeah. that as along with supporting the community and the employees that I, the people I employ, it can set my family and my kids up. Um, and whilst my my wife is very active in our business, she she looks after all of our legislative requirements. Yeah. She'll never have to go and work a nine to five job. Amazing. And that's a huge motivation for me. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I can see it. So obvious, mate. Your priorities on, on, on family and everything. It is awesome, mate. It's really cool. Um, mate, just a couple more questions before, before we wrap it up. What do you, you're, you're, you're an athlete, you're a businessman. What do you do to relax? Run and swim. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So if I, mate, like literally, if, and my wife knows me back to front. If I come home and I'm stressed, yeah. I'm going to go for a run or a swim. A run, a half an hour run, um, yeah, oh, I'm too competitive. I'd probably still put my garment on and, and put it on Strava. Yeah. And training <laughs> peaks. Yeah. But, but, but just even a half an hour easy run yeah. um, is just a total de-stressor for me. And, uh, awesome. And honestly, sometimes it's it's part of the part of the reason why I, why I train is just to keep fit and active and healthy for life. And yeah. I've had to work really hard on work life balance. And uh, I'm not immune from at times feeling uh, pressure and anxiety in my life. I've gone through some periods of that, and it's sure. all around uh, if I get that if my balance is out and I, I feel like I'm short of time, I don't have enough time to look after myself and I'm too stressed, that's when I sort of start to get out of whack. And exercise, mate, is the thing that always brings it back into line with me. Always has, always will be. Yeah, awesome, mate. And, mate, you're, you're currently, uh, well, at the time of recording this, you're, you're, this will go out in a few weeks, but you're, you're on the Gold Coast. You're still racing. What's up next? What are the, what are the sort of triathlon goals for the, for the immediate future and over the next year or so? All right. So, yeah, on the Gold Coast this weekend for the Olympic Distance World Championships. So race that on Sunday morning, hoping to have a good race. 
Funnily enough, following this for the first time in 10 years, I'm actually going to go back and do some surf Ironman races over summer. So yes. I'm racing the um, the World Masters Championships in November. Wow. So I'm basically going to spend the summer back training in the surf. Wow. Uh, and I'll obviously keep running and riding a bit on the side. Um, just because our daughter is one, uh, I and I did two Ironmans last year, I'm not going to do any um, for the next 12 months. Nice. But so I'm going to compete in the surf, which are much shorter races, Yeah. therefore not requiring the six, eight-hour training days that, that yeah. an Ironman triathlon does. So, again, just finding balance with Amazing. work and family and, and life in general where I can keep competitive and, and keep um, the competitive juices going, yeah. um, but but not sort of get my family um, family balance out of whack too much. Mate, it seems like you've, you have a pretty good balance going on. And, mate, I just want to take a moment to really appreciate what, what you've done for, for the show, mate. I think your story is in the last 45 minutes, it's honestly, mate, you've had me literally on, on the edge of my seat. It's been absolutely epic. And I think it just, I think one of the things I picked up right from the start, you know, it's pretty much all about how much you want it, how competitive you, 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 you're going to be. And, and I think that's amazing, mate. It shows in your triathlon and it shows in your business. It also shows in your family life, mate. I mean, you just want to be the best father. So, mate, thank you so much for that. One last question that I, that I want, and I know we've been over a lot of different things, mate, but if there's one piece of advice that you've learned along the way that you could leave the listeners with, what would it be? You will get to where you need to go. You'll get to where you want to go if you never give up. No matter what you're doing, you fall short, pick yourself up, have some grit, have some determination and go again. If you fall short again, keep going and you will, no matter what it is you want to achieve, you can get there. Mate, what a way to finish. Hayden, you are, mate, an absolute legend. I know it's late there. It's almost 10 o'clock. You should be sleeping. You've got a race in uh-huh. two days, mate. Uh, mate. All good, mate. I really, really appreciate you taking the time, mate. This has been one of the most awesome podcasts I've done in a long time. So thank you so much for the inspiration, mate. That's been perfect. I really appreciate you having me on. I must say you're a, you're a huge inspiration to me. I love your I follow you on Instagram. I love it. I look at it every single day. Uh, um, you, mate. mate, you're smashing life and everything you do. And, and like I said, you are an inspiration for me every day with how you attack life and go after things, mate. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot, mate. All the best for, for, for the race this weekend and, and we'll keep in touch and hopefully we'll, Thanks, we'll get you back on in a year where you've got, to, where you've got a few more stores under your belt and more plans <laughs> to, to dominate. You'll actually be, mate, I know why you're relaxing. You're almost at the top of your age group now. You're coming back on the 40 <laughs> plus age group. <laughs> I'm not too far away from it, mate, but I'm a couple of years away. Yeah, couple of years away. The old, uh, that's the old <laughs> triathlete uh, thing, isn't it? Sort of wishing Absolutely. to be older. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're, not, you're not done on that front yet. We'll see you racing Kona again, mate, I'm sure. Oh, I'll def- I will definitely be back at Kona again, without a doubt. I love it. Hayden, thank you so much, mate. Have an awesome race this weekend. Thanks, Marcus. Cheers, Cheers mate. Bye. Cheers, mate.